This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The mission of inclusive impact companies is to make a positive impact and promote happiness for all humankind, regardless of race, culture, religion, gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, ability, or age. They promote an inclusive culture through the development of a therapeutic approach that is dedicated to diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and accommodations for everyone. Valeria interviews Andrea Piazza, She is a mental health expert, licensed clinical mental health counselor, and healthcare entrepreneur with a background as a telehealth designer for one of the nation's largest behavioral health care providers and artistic director of an international nonprofit dance education organization. Andrea holds a BFA in dance and a BS in psychology from the University of Florida and an MA in clinical mental health counseling from the University of Central Florida with advanced training in integrated health care. As the founder and owner of Inclusive Impact Therapy, Andrea has been recognized for her work in mental health through various accolades, including the Most Inclusive and Accessible Mental Health Awards by Global Health and Pharma, the Wolfen Entrepreneurial Spirit Award from the UCLA Price Center for Entrepreneurship, and being named the Los Angeles County Commission for Women, Woman of the Year 2023, and Orlando Magazine's Woman of the Year 2022. In addition to her work in mental health, Andrea is a published author of the best-selling children's book, Peter Pan in Everland, which has received critical acclaim and was the number one bestseller in children's ebook on disability in April 2021. She is currently pursuing an MBA at the University of California, Los Angeles. Andrea's dedication to inclusivity and accessibility in mental health has earned her recognition in the community, including being named one of the University of Florida 40 Under 40 Gator Alumni Award and one of the University of Central Florida 30 Under 30 Alumni Awardees. Andrea's passion for helping those in need runs deep, and she is continuing to support her community through various mental health and arts-based efforts. Andrea's most recent project is All Good Health, which will be launching at the end of this summer, empowering health and wellness professionals to create, share, and monetize virtual learning spaces while democratizing access to specialized knowledge and community support for everyone. One subscription equals one subscription donated to an underserved community. Let's democratize healthcare. Meet Andrea at inclusiveimpacttherapy.com and andrealin.org. Here's the interview with Andrea Piazza. In your own words, who am I speaking with today? (laughs) 
My name is Andrea Lynn Piazza, and I am a licensed mental health counselor and mental health coach. I am licensed in Florida, and I coach in other states, especially in California, which is where I live. I provide all of my services remotely through my private practice, which is called Inclusive Impact Therapy. Although we are around the corner from a rebrand and now will be called Drea Vita, and that's D-R-E-A-V-I-T-A, which translates to dream life, and you'll be able to Google us and connect with us soon. What is life to you? Life to me is ups and downs and arounds and falls and gets back up, and it's a beautiful mess. Um, Life to me is about always growing and we can grow in rest and in contentedness just as we can grow by pushing ourselves and going through challenges. But yeah, life is just about the process and experience of living. What do you think is the opposite of life? I would say the opposite of life is running, um, And by that, I mean just not being present, like this constant avoiding, never facing things, never letting things be messy, never letting yourself grow or change or shift. Um, The opposite of life is holding yourself so still that you don't get to experience something new and you don't get to move forward in your life and holding yourself in place. So that's what I would say. What is the purpose of the human experience? The purpose of the human experience is connection. As humans, we're wired for connection. We're wired for community. We're pack animals. We're meant to be with one another. And we're meant to support and understand each other. The purpose of that is just the magic that comes with connectedness. Um, And that connectedness can be, you know, interdependent. So like me to you connectedness. But it can also be that connection to ourselves, that intra-dependent or intrapersonal connection. And yeah, that's what I would say is the purpose of the human experience. At this time, what is the purpose of your life? Right now, the purpose of my life is to create enough space so that the next message for where I'm going to go can get to me. So I am trying to create enough mental, emotional even social and like physical space so that when the message from the universe comes about what my next step is, I'm able to receive it and I'm able to respond to it. I found in parts of my life where I have just filled all of my time, all of my thoughts with things to do and things to get to, I've missed a lot of messages. And at the time that was exactly what was supposed to happen and I'm thankful for it. But now I think I'm in a life, in a point in my life where I'm meant to receive them. And that's my purpose. What are some of the greatest misconceptions about happiness, in your opinion? I think some of the greatest misconceptions about happiness, or maybe the greatest misconception about happiness, is that it's just one thing. Happiness is unique to each person, and I always tell my patients to figure out and find their happy. And sure, like some of our happy is exactly what we see in the TV commercials where we're running through a field with our family and we have a kid on our shoulders and we're at the beach. But that's not everyone's happy. And just because you don't have that perfect family, that perfect amount of money, that perfect body, 
doesn't mean you can't be happy. My happy is sometimes just being home with my cats and, you know, watching Law & Order. Other times my happy is being in a session with my patient and knowing that I'm so lucky to be hearing their story. And other times my happy is just sitting by myself outside. And it might not be like the most beautiful, natural place to everyone, but to me, I found beauty in that moment. And yeah, happy is unique to each person. What do you love most about being in a human body? (laughs) What I love about, what I love most about being in a human body is the experience is always changing. Um, So I, as a clinician, oftentimes work with and have expertise in working with people who have eating disorders. And then my other um, area is working with people who have special needs or disability. And one of the things I'm constantly talking to them about is that your body is always changing. And eating disorders, oftentimes we see this need to prevent the body changing, sometimes the need to like hold the body in adolescence. And that can be for trauma reasons and safety. But the more we can embrace the fact that our bodies are going to change, they're going to age, they're going to get hurt, um, but they're going to continue to function. Like the heart is going to continue to beat. The stomach is going to continue to digest. The lungs are going to continue to breathe. The more we can love our bodies, the more we can love ourselves. And I think that's just what's fascinating about life. What is healing to you? I think what has been healing to me has really changed throughout my life. Um, I think good people would like be the first thing that I found to be healing was like meeting people who were different than uh, some of the people I grew up with that really reminded me how amazing people can be. Um, and I think a lot of people need need that. I think what's healing to me right now is the opportunity to like not be perfect at something and to like make mistakes and to like trip over myself and know that it's going to be okay and I can keep going. There was points in my life where like there was absolutely no room for failure. There was no room for error because everything was so trepidatious and fragile that if I slipped up or went down the wrong road, um, it would lead to some pretty serious consequences. But now I'm in this space where I'm in an MBA program and that's really not my forte and I'm not good at it. And I love that. I love that I can be in this program where I'm not the best, I'm not the most perfect, and I don't always feel good at it, but I get to be in that space. And that's felt really healing to just like be able to be an imperfect person and to still get value from something. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? The meaning of freedom to me is safety. Um, And to be free is to be safe and not just physically safe, but psychologically safe. I think oftentimes um, out of necessity, we create a lot of cages for ourselves because we've been through something really scary um, or something really dangerous or something really painful. Uh, And at the time, that's exactly what we needed to do. But then later on, once we're past that part of our lives, we're not free because we've put up so many barriers to connecting with ourselves and connecting to others. But when we can really, truly, deeply be psychologically safe and let our autonomic nervous system rest 
and let our body know that like we are okay where we are, that's when we're truly free. At this time, what is the world's greatest need? And also, do you have a vision for a new reality? Right now, I think the world's greatest need is... Oh my gosh, I can think of so many things. As somebody who's from Florida um, and writes children's books for, um, you know, the point of inclusivity and for the special needs community and for underserved communities and as a therapist to the LGBTQIA plus community, um, I, I think our greatest need is kind of like a mirror. I think we need like true, honest reflection and to see what we're doing and to see the effect that it has. Maybe accountability is the right word, um, but not in a punishing way, in a way that lets us better understand each other and better understand how the actions we're taking are harming others or helping others. Like sometimes we need to know just how many good things we're doing too. But I think a lot of people right now are really missing the harm they're causing. Um, and my vision for a new reality would be a kinder, more inclusive world where instead of constantly working towards exclusivity, we were working towards inclusivity and we were being really careful about designing a world where we could all live happily and healthily instead of designing a world where, you know, half a percent of the population gets to live happily and healthily on the backs of everyone else. What is your understanding and idea of love? My understanding of the idea of love is that it's the willingness to be and be there. Um, obviously, when we think of love, a lot of times it's with a romantic partner, like, oh, I love you. I'm in love with you. Hearts and holding hands. And that's definitely a version of love. But real love is just being there, not trying to take anybody's pain away from them, not trying to act like you know better than them what they should be doing in their own lives or what, you know, you should be doing. Even the shoulda, coulda, what is we put on ourselves make it hard for us to love ourselves just as much as others. So my understanding of the idea of love is that we need to be able to be with ourselves and to be with others in the truest, most honest, authentic way. What is inner peace to you? Inner peace to me is knowing that it's going to be okay um, and that I'm going to be okay and that I'm, I'm enough, you know. I think at the core it's like knowing that I am good and I am lovable because what we see so often um, in client-centered work with patients is that they feel unlovable. They feel like they are bad. They feel like they are broken. They feel like they will never be enough. Um, and when we feel like that, we can't truly have peace because we're never able to truly rest. We're not really able to have space. We're not really able to connect. Um, but inner peace is, is having that kind of assurance that you're okay and it's going to be okay, even when it's really scary and doesn't seem that way. What? Where and who is God to you? So I have this um, memory of watching Hercules when I was like five years old and then, you know, being brought to like a Baptist church. 
and they were talking about God and they said, well, what about like Hercules and like, you know, the other gods? And they kicked me out of the classroom and, um, told my mom that she had some work to do. And, you know, bless my mom. She took me out of that church and did not make me go back, even though she grew up very, very, uh, Christian Baptist, like Southern Baptist type of religious. But I think even at a young age, like I knew that God was so much more than how God is typically portrayed in any religion. Um, but like, you know, God doesn't care about some of the things that we, we put on him. I don't think God cares at all who you're sleeping with. Um, I don't, think God cares at all if you sleep with someone before you get married. You know, I think God has such a wider, larger um, plan that we as, like, humans <laughs> will never be privy to. And, like, that's amazing. I'm so happy to be able to put that in the hands of a greater power than myself. I don't think God has a gender. I don't think when you're, you know, that type of being that uh, you're put in a in a box in any way like that. So I certainly don't use pronouns like he, him when referring to God, sometimes just to be subversive and to be a feminist, I say she, her, but I don't, I don't think that the real God or gods or beings or being whatever, um, you know, lead into like the human faults and the human boxes we put ourselves in. What is to be spiritual? And what is spirituality? Um, for me to be spiritual and to practice spirituality, it is connecting to this idea that there is a bigger plan. I don't think that everybody needs to feel that way or needs to have that to have like a spiritual, like a healthy spiritual dimension of their wellness though. Um, I think that is what I have found works for me and I've tried a bunch of different things and that's the one thing that like gives me peace um, and gives me pause when I start to get frustrated that like things aren't going my way is like this is all part of the plan um, and believing that we're going through what we need to be going through. Um, you don't always get what you want but you get what you need and that everything has meaning um, and my spirituality is is really that simple. Um, I don't like to surround my things, myself with things that for me are like evil. Like I like to have, <laughs> um, beautiful things in my space. I like to cultivate a space that feels alive and feels beautiful to me. And that's a part of my spirituality. Um, but I don't engage with, um, other, you know, more common practices we probably refer to as spirituality, uh, like crystals or different things. Not that I don't think they're incredible and very important for some people's spirituality. That just isn't what works for me. How do you define success? What is to be successful to you? Success to me really comes down to, I think, resilience. Um, and what it is to be successful is we have this word in psychology, self-efficacy, which is like the belief that like you can do hard things. Um, but success is like knowing that you can take on challenges and like acknowledging that you've taken them on. And sometimes sure, like that's climbing the corporate ladder. Um, other times, sure, that's getting a good grade 
But I think just going into a grocery store when you're somebody that has an eating disorder and that's an incredibly painful experience is also success. Um, I think success is very personal and it happens in every minute of every day. I think we're all successful because we've all gotten through the worst day of our lives. We've all overcome that. We've all faced a challenge and done the hard thing. So why did you choose to do what you do? I don't know that I necessarily chose what I do. I think it chose me and I think it was trying to choose me for a long time, but I wasn't listening. <laughs> um, I grew up in a household with um, parents that had a very difficult time managing their own emotions and I'm not perfect as an adult now, so I don't fault them for that. Um, but that made being at home really scary sometimes and maybe, um, very unsafe at other times. And I found myself oftentimes being the kind of emotional rock for them or the person they were coming to. And then in that, I was the person that like all my little friends were coming to. And I remember getting awards when I was little that was like the peacemaker, the healer. Um, but I didn't, really like that. Like I kind of rejected it. And I remember like learning what a therapist was and I was like, oh, I never want to do that. And I think it's because even as like a child, just because of the way I grew up, I had like compassion fatigue, which is so sad, but, um, found a love for psychology pretty early on. I took AP psychology in high school and just really took to it. Um, I understood all of it. I was able to like read it because I was so interested in it. I was able to memorize all of it and like make sense of it in a way that my peers weren't. And I'd never really had an experience like that with any other type of academia. I did good in school, but that was because I pushed myself and worked hard, not because it came naturally to me. Um, and then I also had an experience where uh, I'm still a chronic overachiever, but I was even worse in high school and, you know, got up at 5 a.m., to go volunteer, went to school, went to work, went to dance class, got home at 10 p.m. and then would do my work in the bathroom because I wasn't allowed to have like the light on in my, in my room um, and was trying to minimize the amount of time I needed to be home for, for some reasons. But I was always falling asleep in class and um, the AP psych teacher kept me after class and was like, you know, what's going on? And like took the time to connect with me, um, told me I was very good at psychology and helped me start like figuring out how to make a life for myself. So I started taking psychology classes at the local college. And by the time high school was over, I had almost a full psychology degree. Um, and then I pursued psychology in college, but even then was like, I don't want to be a therapist. I want to be a psychologist. I want to study behavior. I don't want to, I don't want to have to be the one people talk to. Um, but of course, after college was most drawn to like a clinical mental health counseling program where I became a therapist and, you know, I got where I was meant to go, even if <laughs> I wasn't willing at first, but um, I have a beautiful life because of it. How did you become a writer? Uh, I think I've always been a writer. I think I've always been a storyteller to some degree. Um, I grew up dancing and actually have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in dance. Um, and I've been a dance teacher for a very long time. So that's a form of storytelling in itself. When I became a writer in like the published sense was I had created a show called The Nutcracker Reimagined for a community of dancers with special needs that I was working with in Orlando, Florida. I grew up 
performing in the Nutcracker every year and loved it and wanted to be able to give that experience to my unique dancers, but wanted to shape something that reflected their own experiences as opposed to like the neurotypical, you know, said in like <laughs> Victorian times Nutcracker. So with collaborating with them made this modern upbeat retelling of the Nutcracker meant to teach inclusion and loving each other and supporting each other and how, you know, we were just misunderstood. Through writing that show, I figured I might as well write a book. And I kind of did it as a Christmas gift to my dancers at the time. And I self-illustrated it and made sure each one of them that was in whatever dance was in the show was in the book. And it got a lot of publicity in Orlando uh, and, you know, found its way to the desk of a publisher. They reached out, said they loved the idea they loved my style and the things I was interested in and helped me create Peter Pan and Everland, which we published in April of 2021 and upon release became a bestseller in a bunch of categories. And my favorite part was for a couple days, it was even above uh, Harry Potter books. But um, yeah, it was incredible. So Peter Pan and Everland is available anywhere books are sold. Uh, it is now banned in Florida schools, which is super fun. Um and interesting, but that would be when I became a published writer. I'm working on my third children's book right now. It is truly a labor of love, and it's a resource that like, I wish I had as a preteen and would just love to go back in time and give to my adult patients when their issues started, which is almost always around like 12 years old. Yeah, that's my story of how I became a writer. What was the inspiration, intention, and purpose of writing your book? I think in the last question, I already kind of talked about the inspiration, intention, and purpose of writing my book. Um, but just to take it a little deeper is I want to create tools, whether they just be stories, um, whether they just be people seeing themselves in a way they haven't seen themselves before, or feel, giving people permission if they feel like they didn't have it to make something themselves. Um because I want more stories from more types of people that I haven't been able to access before. And the other purpose of my writing, which is really the purpose of all of my work, is to help create a world where everyone can find someone that truly, honestly sees them for who they are and makes them feel or helps them to feel understood for maybe the first time. If that can happen through my writing, amazing. If that can happen through my counseling services, amazing. If that can happen through my coaching, whatever, my public speaking, but I want everyone to feel valid and seen in their own existence is the bigger overarching intention and purpose. Uh, I wrote Peter Pan and Everland, which is the first professionally published best-selling children's book, almost as a way to prove to myself and maybe prove to others um, that telling inclusive stories was worth it and it mattered and it could be done and to help people who maybe hadn't seen themselves in stories before to see themselves. We're all familiar, familiar with the story of Peter Pan, for example, but you know, me as like a white, um, cis woman like I see myself in Peter Pan I see Wendy and I'm like great I'm her but not everybody does not everybody who is a person of color has a disability or a special need or a diverse gender identity 
sees themselves in those stories. And maybe some people that see themselves in those story don't see, don't see good things, um, like the way Native Americans are represented and, and indigenous people. So in writing Peter Pan and Everland, I wanted to correct some of that and to just promote the idea that we could tell better, kinder, more inclusive stories. Talk to me for a moment about the services you offer. So I primarily offer clinical mental health counseling services and most often work with individuals. The communities I focus on are the special needs community, the LGBTQIA plus community, the eating disorder community, and definitely the trauma um, informed care community and people needing to do trauma work. I see all kinds of people in between that. I have several patients I work with um, who have OCD as well. And then I get a lot of young women coming to me like post breakup wanting to find themselves, which I absolutely love. And I always try and have kind of a, a balance within my caseload. I also offer mental health coaching, which is much more directive. So as opposed to some of the process oriented work we might be doing in a counseling session, coaching is really like great. Let's take what we have going on and let's put it into action. And I'm going to be your accountability partner in helping you reach your emotional or mental goals. Uh, in addition to that, I write books. I sell those books. I do public speaking. Um, I have spoken at a variety of like youth conferences, for example, and I've spoken on designing inclusive spaces for a couple different universities. I'm also working on a new company that's going to be called All Good Health, and it's going to promote ease of access to health information and operate as a source of passive income for behavioral health providers. But that'll be coming in the next couple months. So yeah. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? You can find more information about me, my work, my products, my services, and my future products through social media. I am at Andrea Lynn Piazza on all of the platforms. So that's A-N-D-R-E-A-L-Y-N-N. And then P as in Paul, I-A-Z-Z-A. So Instagram, TikTok, not super active on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, you can come hang out with me there. I will be also be launching my personal website, andrealynn.org, um, in a few weeks here where it'll be kind of a live and active portfolio of things that I'm doing and can offer and hopefully can help you with if that's something you're looking for. And then for my companies, you can learn more about my private practice, which is Inclusive Impact Therapy, soon to be Drea Vita. And very soon, All Good Health, which will be um, a website and app that makes health information more accessible and allows behavioral health providers to put out more types of work than they are um, and earn a passive income. We are almost at the end of our conversation, and I have two final questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body... Would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Oh, I knew I would die soon, losing the body. Would I make any changes Oof, or do anything different? I, you know, I would, but it's the stuff I'm already trying to do. <laughs> so this year for me is about cultivating um, a sense of abundance cultivating a complex of abundance. I've really always operated with kind of a scarcity complex of like, it's not enough. I don't have enough. I'm not going to have enough. I don't feel that that 
is serving me. So this year I've been focusing on cultivating the opposite, which is this sense of abundance. I am enough. I have enough. I'm going to have enough. And in that, getting out of my own way so that I can be creative and messy and serve people and help people heal and do all of the things I've wanted to do that I've been holding myself back from because I'm too embarrassed or I don't feel like I'm the right person or I don't feel like I matter enough, like none of that anymore. It's it's time to go for what we want. If the universe wants us to have it, it's going to give us to us, give it to us as long as we're not pushing it away. Um, so hopefully maybe in two years, I'll be able to say, uh, no, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't make any changes. <laughs> but right now, those are the changes and differences like I'm actively working towards. What are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things in my life I know for sure is that I'll always be there for me. Ultimately, everything's going to be okay. And I will always find joy again. Even in the darkest moments, I don't feel as hopeless. I don't feel that sense of despair anymore because... I know it's a moment. I know it's a moment I'm meant to have. It's a moment that's supposed to teach me something and joy will come again. Thank you so much for your presence, for sharing your wisdom and doing what you do. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Andrea Piazza and her work, please visit inclusiveimpacttherapy.com and andrealin.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.